ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for What Do You Call It Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of What Do You Call It Podcast. This is actually part two of my interview with everybody's favourite homeboy, Chili Willy. Um, unfortunately, Ooh. the interview cut off before because of unforeseen circumstances due to the rain. It's a bit shit, but he's nice enough to come back in part two <laughs> and to finish this interview off because we're having such a good chat. Anyway, what we were talking about before the rain ruined it, it was, that's actually unfortunate, it was the, we recently lost New Jack. Uh, I wanted to ask you, if you had any fun new jack stories that you can share on this podcast well thank you man thank you thank you thank you for having me back apologize well i can't apologize this is the philippine weather not your uh, fault man it's not here. your fault <laughs> <laughs> rainy yeah rainy season here we were talking and all of a sudden it just went black so but anyway i'm glad to be back um not just here on your podcast but even on my own podcast and other podcasts but yeah getting Getting back into the story with New Jack, man, uh, I got Rest His Soul and, and all the others. Uh, yeah, my, my only one really fun, well, not fun, but it was just it was just hilarious, I guess, uh, story was uh, coming from the ECW arena in Philadelphia. And New Jack had just bought a, a Mitsubishi Eclipse. And mm-hmm. he had a girlfriend up in Ohio. So that's probably, I don't know how many hours, a couple hours. But he wanted me to drive for him, I think, because his leg was messed up. He was on some painkillers and all other kind of shit. So, <laughs> so I'm driving for him. So we stop and we stop at a restaurant, dude. And he's all jacked up. I mean, when we say jacked up, I mean he's like coked up or whatever on drugs, or whatever. And uh, but when we walk in, he's he's fine. He's doing he's doing great. It's when he sat down and uh, we get to order the food. It's probably like two or three o'clock in the morning, and the lady brings back the food, and I'm ready to dig in. And I'm looking over. I just happen to look up at, at New Jack. He has a fork in his hand, and he's like this, and he got slob coming out of his mouth <laughs> like this. And so he's just he's standing. He's just sitting there like this for like 30, 30 seconds, 40 <laughs> seconds. I'm like, yo, Jack, wake up. We got to eat, man. We got to eat. Everyone's looking at him and everything. The lady comes back by. She asks me. Is he okay? I said, yeah, he just throws some painkillers, you know what I mean? And uh, so it was. It took me, the lady, <laughs> and one other guy to get him back into the Mitsubishi because they're so they're so low. Yeah. Uh, to grab the ground. And, uh, man, that trip right there was like um, – because I never really hung out with Lou Jack. I never really hung out. I, I just hung out with guys on the ring crew. And yeah. so for me, it was like, whoa, you know, I'm hanging out with Lou Jack. He want me to drive for but he was so he was so he was so messed up, man, that <laughs> he couldn't he couldn't even eat. And I I was scared to death. And I was like, where do we go? You know, how do I get there? Whatever. <laughs> just, just just drive, man. But he was also he would go in and out, you know what I mean? And mm. that's just how he was. And uh, but uh, you know, he got us there and everything and took care of me for a good week, man. And <laughs> made it one piece. You know, then. we had a good time, man. I had a good time with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, nah, sweet man, sweet. So I would have asked because um, unfortunately ECW would close. 
And in part one, we discussed your ECW career in a bit of detail. I want to ask, because you actually had a few matches for WWE after ECW went out of business. I just want to know, what was the experience like for you to work in WWE? Um, there were dark matches. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I keep forgetting about the delay. I keep forgetting about the delay. Right. There were dark matches. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so um, it was... Uh, it was interesting, you know. Um, you know, ECW was like a elevated indie show. You know, um, mm. you go in, we set up the ring. That was it, you know. And then the guy Randy, he was set up to his music, his music video, and everything. So, and but when I got to um, WWE, just the production of it, man, was like it was like a Broadway show almost. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean to walk in and see them guys hanging up the lights. And the ring was already set up. It was a stage. And so, and you look around, there's like 20,000 seats. The first thing you do is you go into the catering. That's that's where everyone meets. That's where all the deals are made, I think, a lot of times. Um, a lot of things happen in the catering. So um, you go in there and you meet guys, you meet your stars, you see the stars or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and, then, and then someone will come to you. Someone will come to you. I think at that time it was Kevin Kelly came to me and said, okay, Chili, you know, you're gonna wrestle such and such, and you get in there. And uh, luckily, it was a, a local, a local indie guy. His name was Pat Cusick, and so you know I had wrestled him on the on a North Carolina circuit, and so it wasn't bad at all. You know, um, mm. they actually let me they they actually let me go over on on those matches. Um, a lot of times when you do dark matches, you don't go over. You know, a lot of times you are the one who are you you're the jobber. Mm. And so um, not that it really mean anything because we know wrestling, you know what I mean? Everyone's a winner, but, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it was just that they have a way of looking at you and they have yeah. a way of looking at the other guy also. Just because you went over doesn't mean that you make, you're going to get a contract, although I got a contract. But so that I think he, he I think, I don't know if Cusick got one anyway. But, yeah, so it was, uh, it was just an experience, man. It was really, um, you know, from, from the time you go to the arena – put your bags in the locker in the dressing room. You don't have the dressing room with the stars. Mm. You know, you, you, see, you see signs. You walk in, you see Vince McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, Triple H. And then over here you see major talent. And then you see, uh, like, local talent here. And then, you know, so, so, so you know where you put your bags at. You don't put your bags in there with the rock. Did you know where to put your bag in with, like, Stephanie McMahon or something? <laughs> <laughs> You better not. You better not. <laughs> Who the hell are you? You know what I mean? And so yeah. you go in and you have to be dressed nicely. Mm -hmm. You walk in. It's not a thing where you walk in there with T-shirt. You want to have on a tie. You know, you want to have on a, 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 a jacket. You know, if you really, you know, first impressions, man. You know what I mean? And so you walk in, you put your bags down, and you go straight to the catering, man. And, and, and you go and you introduce yourself, you know. So yeah. you don't I was going to say um... – because obviously you hear about these stories when local talent, they have to shake everyone's hand. Is that true? Mm -hmm. Really? You better, you better introduce yourself to just about everyone. I don't care if the guy says he's the cleaning guy from the, from the arena. Mm. <laughs> if he looks like a wrestler, you better introduce yourself. <laughs> you know, it's, it's better yeah. safe than sorry. Yeah, yeah, it's better safe than sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But, but, but the thing is, you don't, once you go in, you get your food, you introduce yourself, and you sit down and start eating. Mm -hmm. um, you don't necessarily get up and stop your eating and say, oh, hi, my name is such. No. You, I mean, 
you eat, of course, after you're done eating or whatever, if someone's approachable, then you might want to go say hello. Or yeah. if they, you know, if they're not, if they're not eating themselves or whatever, um, you don't want to interrupt someone if they're on the phone. You know what I mean? So you, 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 you're, you're Kofi Kingston. I, I come in and you're on the phone. I don't want to say hi. Hi, Kofi Kingston, William Jones. How are you? No. Yeah. Late. <laughs> Let them, you know, do your thing. You know what I mean? So after the catering, what you do is you go back to the dressing room, mm-hmm. take off your clothes. You have your warm up, your warm, your workout clothes, and then you go into the arena and you just hang around and, you know, just start warming up and you don't get in the ring unless pretty much unless someone tells you or, you know, um, it's okay to get it because you don't know if you just don't want to get in there and mess it up. You have dirty shoes on or mm. <laughs> and that's the show and Matt, you know, the canvas and here you are. They just, they just swept it and you go in there and some nobody and you go to, leave footprints, they're going to be mad as hell. So you mm. wait, you just wait outside. Yeah. You wait outside, someone like John Laurinaitis or whoever's in charge will come in and say, hey, you know, hey, Chelly, how you doing? You know, you want to, then he'll say, get in the ring and work, whatever. You know what I mean? So that's, it's, it's a process, you know what I mean? And you just, you just got to shut your mouth and no matter how many times you go up there, how many, no matter how many times they say, hey, we're going to bring you up, you you got to go through that whole that same process just like that you know what I mean, mm. and then until you start you know really if they give you a contract and all that good stuff then you know something different but just being a regular talent mm. yeah you got to know your role <laughs> the rock said you got to know your role know your role as rock shut your mouth yeah no exactly. that's <laughs> it sounds like a good experience but you, a lot of it sounds like common sense as well to be honest but yeah you got to experience yes. it. Yes. In the big, yeah, you know, in the biggest boom period of wrestling history. So you know that's awesome, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. And you would actually sign yeah. a developmental contract with WWE um, in two thousand and four. Right. Um, yeah. I just want to know. This is when you returned from the army, um, which you know I, I, I absolutely respect you for that. By the way, that's I think you are the first guest I've had uh, that has you know been really? in the army. So you know, wow. Um, bless you Thank for that, you. man. So. <laughs> I actually just want to ask if, if it's okay, just to briefly talk about it. Mm-hmm. I have to ask because it was after your ECW run and then you did a few dark matches, but I think the listeners will want to you know, briefly hear um, because you actually earned a Purple Heart and a Bronze Star. I'm not going to try and pretend like yes. I'm an army guy. Like I haven't been to the gym in many years. Um, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but I'm, I have respect, you know, um, it's in, I've had family members, but um, you was actually wounded in special mission, mm-hmm. weren't you? I mean, how scary was that for you, mate? If you don't mind me asking. Ah, yeah, man. It was. Um, I can talk. Yeah, I can talk about it now. You know, uh, when I got back from the war and I went to OVW, I remember breaking down and crying when I when Stephanie McMahon asked me that question. That was that was then. But now, you know, it's um, it's one of those things. You know, we went over we went over to Iraq as a company, mm-hmm. not a battalion. You know, companies is probably about you know. Uh, 130, 130 guys or something like that, where a battalion is like, I don't know, a lot more. And so mm. we went over for a special mission. Uh, we were just like the bitch boys for the, for the, for the special ops guys. Uh, we were not special forces, um, but we, we were embedded with the special forces. So they took our name tags off. They took everything off. They let us grow a beard. They let us, you know, so we looked like them. Mm-hmm. But we were just basically, when those guys went to sleep, we were the guys pulling guard for them. Mm. Um, when we 
when we went to sleep, they were pulling guard and doing their thing. Mm-hmm. We ride out with them, we do everything they they wanted us to do for them, except certain things, you know. Yeah. Because they were special. They had this they special shit. So we were be we we were be uh, engaged in a lot of fighting a lot of nights, you know. And so uh, I moved around from different safe houses to safe houses until I got into the one safe house, which was in Samar, Iraq. And it was, uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie, not 13 Soldiers, but it was like uh, the movie, something like where Benghazi or something like that. Or anyway, where those guys fought on the roof and there was a cemetery there. Mm. Um, name. But anyway, that's we were set up like that. We were about 11 clicks inside Iraq, uh, behind the wire, meaning that we were probably about eight or nine miles away from any other American forces. We were really deep inside, so we were like mm. in the heart of the city. And all the all the uh, insurgents guys, they knew what house we were in the whole nine. So we had to fortify and everything and build it up. And so anyway, one day we well we kept it was during Ramadan. We kept getting bombed every every night because after Ramadan, you know, you they the uh, the thing is they eat though they fast all day. Then they they eat around five or thirty, I think something like that at night, and then they mm. want to go out. And, Fight. So we would get hit every night for about thirty days, about a good month and a half. We would we would get hit every night, fighting every night. You know, RPGs, small rockets, uh, mortar rounds, everything. So on a particular day, November twenty second, two thousand and three, mm. never forget it. We we needed more security, fires like sandbags or whatever, Jersey barriers, and so we had a group come in from a National Guard group from Louisiana come in, engineers, and they mm. were building up our perimeter. Well, we had to put, we had to go outside and, and pull security for them. As we were pulling security for those guys, the the terrorist guys, they knew it. I'm not gonna call them terrorists. The people, the Iraqi guys, knew it, mm. and so they they started they started lobbing uh, mortar around at, at us because we were outside. And uh, long as we were inside. We could we could fend them off or whatever, but we outside exposed. And one came as they were coming in. No, as as the mortar rounds are coming in, we're running to try to get inside. Mm. What we should have done was stay right there, dug in, and let let the mortar rounds keep going over. Well, as we were running, they they are clocking it, and so when you're running, it's getting further to you. You just need to stay right there. Hopefully, it don't hit you, but. It hit in between me and a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. He caught what he caught shrapnel in his throat, and then I caught some shrapnel on my backside and shit like that. So he didn't die, but you know, um, okay. we were both so injured. I, yeah. yeah, we were we were both injured. Yeah, and uh, but he didn't he didn't come back. He didn't come back to Iraq. I came back maybe two weeks later. No, I was in Balad. Yeah, I came back maybe three weeks later or something like that. But just on that note. The WWE came to Iraq the first time. Their, mm-hmm. their first USO trip, when they came to Iraq, they came to see me specifically because of because of Rhino. Rhino Rhino was with WWE at the time. Yeah, and so he asked, I guess Vince Man or whoever's in charge, where was Chili Willie at? And they wanted he wanted to come see because they they knew that I, that I, that I had gotten hurt, but. I had went home. I went home to America because I, at that time I was married. 
So I didn't stick around for WWE to come, but it was him, you know, the whole gang, Sable at the time she was there, uh, Stone Cold, Big Show, whoever was on that show, that first USO show. Yeah. They came to my unit. They came to my unit specifically just to see me. But I wasn't there. But they saw the they saw the rest of my friends and everything. Yeah. <laughs> That's mental, right? Honestly, that's yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I, I, I first show. just wanted to allow you to sort of tell the story and sp- then tell me that as well. You know, I think I did ask before we recorded part two, uh, part one, if it's right for me to ask about the walk. Yeah, oh yeah, it's just, okay. Yeah. Uh, just out of respect, mate. But so thank you for telling me that, and I think the yes. listeners as well will respect that. Um, <laughs> to sort of uh, wrap up this uh, part two interview, <clears throat> uh, I just want to ask because you have mentioned them already, and we did discuss it briefly is about you doing a few dark matches for WWE. You would actually get a, a developmental contract, um, as we just mentioned before the war, but you'd come back. I basically want to know, how was OVW like for you? And was this was this when it was run by Jim Cornette, by the way? I got, um, when I got hurt, whatever, right before I got out of the military 2004, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they were, they were running that gimmick with Muhammad Hassan. They were running... Uh, they were doing Vardy, Muhammad Hassan. They yeah. were doing a gimmick. Uh, well, Paul got, Paul Heyman got me in. I guess they wanted me to be like another uh, GI bro or something like that. They wanted me to be like the new <laughs> the new GI bro. So yeah. I got out of the military. I got out of the military two months early mm. because of the contract signing. And so when I went there, when I went there um, at that time, Bill Demont was doing the training. Mm-hmm. And then, and then uh, something happened. He he got let go, and I want to say Tommy Dreamer and Lance Storm came in. Mm. Um, but but Jim Cornette was there. But like every you, we would go wrestle every week. I think once a week on a Wednesday or Tuesday or something like that, mm. somewhere in Louisville, Kentucky. But Jim Cornette did the class of critiquing the the show after. So he would do the he would do the critiquing of your matches, what you did uh, the night before, and then Rip Rogers was the the he was just the head of the, the undercard class. You you had guys like JTG there. I can't forget the other ones, but on my class it was me like guys like me, Johnny Morrison, Bobby Lashley, Ken Anderson, Beth Phoenix, Jelena Hall. The Pope, good the fucking class. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Even, even, even. Rest his soul, uh, Matt Capitelli. Uh, he was there. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a hell of a, it was a hell of a class. And all those, all those people, man, they made it. You know, Dolph Ziggler. You know, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a good class. Yeah. Nah, that's yeah. good, man. That was good. Um, Daddy was unexpectedly released in 2005. Um, but I want to ask. You're a trainer in the Philippines at the moment, aren't you? Are you yes. not doing training? So you are. That's pretty cool. Yes, I, wanna... I was. Yes, I oh, you was. was. Yeah. I want to ask, mm-hmm. um, is there any major differences between the, the wrestling styles in the Philippines and in America? Yes. Oh, man. Here, in the, they, they had wrestling here back in the 90s. Uh, from what, you know, when I got here, I didn't know that. Early mm. 90s, they had a wrestling. But the guys weren't trained. They were not trained at all. They just kind of learned it on the fly. So if you watch their if you watch their videos, you will see. Oh my God! Look at you know the bumps, the flips, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they were on television. Fast forward to 2014, 15 when I got here, I went to a show. The first show that I went to it was at a uh, it's like a mall arena called MCS. 
Now, let me tell you something, man. When coming from America, coming from an indie show where you have, if you have 100 people in an in a indie show in America, you're doing good. Mm. Most of the time, you got 25, 30 people. I went to this show in, in the Philippines, here in the Philippines, and it was ran by PWR. And, and that group is still, they still around. And I told, I'm telling you, man, they had about 600 people, 600 people at this show. And I said to myself, I said, oh my God, what's going on here in the Philippines? I thought, you know, I was like, what, what? They do wrestling like this? Yeah. You know, because I had to research online to, to find out they had uh, wrestling. And they had the media there and everything. I said, oh my God. But then when they wrestled, when they came out to wrestle, because they none of them had no former training, wrestling standards were low. Yeah. Right? They needed help. They needed help bad. And so they, they really... Um, I kind of helped consult a little bit with different ones in, in wrestling or whatever. And then they brought in some other guys that, that would come in to Jerry. He would come per periodically, but still, even now today, they're still learning. They mm -hmm. are, um, they're still, uh, it's a learning process for them. They, some of them grasp it, you know, but and then some of them don't, you know what I mean? It's just, they have to really, um, I don't know. It's, they fake it in a way. You know what I mean? They play yeah. it. Yeah, they okay, actually yeah. play wrestling. Yeah. Whereas, you know, we really, because they're not really, they're not accustomed to the strikes like we are in the actual move and the intensity they mm. lack. But they're learning. They're learning very fast because there are a lot of uh, international people starting to come over. And just before we had the, um, before we had this pandemic, it was, it was talk that Rakishi and his uh, son's promotion their promotion out of uh, California, they were coming to the Philippines. But, you know, the pandemic happened, so mm. it stopped. You know what I mean? So, and I, and I told the guys here, I said, you guys better be ready for them Samoans because they don't play. <laughs> they, yeah, man. They don't play at all, you know what I mean? Don't so you, the Samoans. You know, when you hit them, you better be ready. Yeah, you better be ready. You better be ready. Yeah, you man. Know? But they're learning. They're learning. You know, you, like TJP, came, he came here. Jeff Cobb came here. Like I said, the jury came here. Um, then you have some guys from WUW, uh, World Underground Wrestling, uh, Ron, Ron Hess or something like that. I don't know those people, but they they also came here. So mm. it, it's picking up. It's just that the pandemic stopped everything. Yeah, man. But it's, it's... definitely a different style. No, that's that's cool because I, I wanted to double check because I'm, I'm not really familiar with it, but I wanted to ask because I know like with yeah, no. Japan strong style and in Britain in the UK where I'm from, yeah, you know, it's very Philippi technical. The Philippines don't have a style. Yeah, yeah, they don't really have a style yet. They're they're still they're like babies. They're they're still developing their style. No, that's wicked, man. That's pretty cool. Hopefully, you do get Rikishi mm -hmm. and uh, the Simones over when this all calms down. Fucking hopes soon because I'm done with it already. But uh, <laughs> but um, it will. Well, hey, Booker, man, it will, it will, it will. You yeah. know, I just, I just got off a podcast with one of the Philippine wrestlers, and I, and I told him, I said, I heard something, you know, a while back. You know, this, this pandemic thing, we have the world has to start learning that we have to live with it. You know, yeah. it's like AIDS, it's like AIDS, it's like yeah. cancer, it's like the flu. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like the common cold. No matter, no matter you take the vaccine, no matter you don't take the vaccine. Mm. We got to live with it now. This thing is here, man. You know, I don't, I don't like it. No one likes it. You know no. what I mean? Whether it's, you know, man-made or whatever, we you stuck do. with it. You know you, I mean? I, You're spot on. I absolutely agree. And I'm not just saying it for the sake of it. <laughs> I 
genuinely agree. We, it's not. It's, I don't think we should ignore it, but I think we need to learn to live with it. Oh. It's there. It's not going away right. anytime soon. But we now have the vaccine. We have now, you know, better research and resources for it. So, but um, that's a bit of a downer. Yeah. Let's end the let's end this part two episode <laughs> on an up part because I've really enjoyed talking to yes. you. And um, you know, so we get on quite well now, and obviously we're talking with DMs as well, which is awesome. So to wrap this interview up officially, I know it's a bit of a boring question, but I, I like to ask the my guests. What's been your favorite match of your career? Of my career, my favorite match, mm-hmm. probably, probably the most memorable. It was the one with the tag, uh, Balls Mahoney against the Baldies. Oh, the uh, Flaming Table. Flaming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I've never done, <laughs> I've never done something like that before. Yeah. Um, not too many, <laughs> not too many people get in a match like that. So, um, yeah, that was probably one of my favorite and more memorable matches. Nah, that's awesome, man. If you want to hear um, about that match in particular in more detail, which includes uh, Chili really thinking that he was actually going to be set on fire without a top on, <laughs> please go back and listen to part one because it's quite funny. Ooh. And um, <laughs> nah, it's been a, it's been a blast talking to you, mate. Uh, where can fans Thank find you, you on social media? Uh, uh, just Facebook, you know, Chili Willy, ECW, um, Instagram. I'm not really on Instagram that much or mm. Twitter that much. Uh, but all of it's Chili Willy ECW, tw- Chili Willy 2469. So uh, just look up Chili Willy and you'll, you'll find. Look up Chili Willy Wrestler and you'll, you'll, yeah, you'll find. Yeah. You just look up Chili Willy. <laughs> you find say, the penguin. I was going to say that. Brackets, wrestler. Because otherwise, <laughs> why is he interviewing the car in character? Like, no, no. no. <laughs> ECW original, people. There's a reason why he's everybody's favorite homeboy because he is a legend and a great guy. (laughs) Thank you for coming on this show. It's been a pleasure talking to you. For everyone that has listened to this episode, there's going to be more episodes of What Do You Call It podcast coming out soon. But for now, here is a word from my sponsors. Take care. I have a special announcement for my next guest. Hello, everyone. This is everyone's favorite homeboy, ECW original Chili Willy. You are watching What Do You Call It? Podcast. Yeah.